So, Colleen, you launched your new SaaS. This is actually your first SaaS about a month ago. Simple file upload. And you launched it first on the Heroku Marketplace, but you also launched it off of the Heroku Marketplace so that people who are not on Heroku can use it as well. And I was thinking about this, and I'm really curious if anyone has signed up off of Heroku and how that's gone. Yes. So I got the most wonderful surprise yesterday when I actually checked my subscriptions and saw that there were three people who have actually put their credit card oh my gosh. into my... I know. It was super exciting. The funny thing is, um, as I think I've mentioned before, Heroku requires you to get 100 users before you can charge. So I have been so focused on getting that 100 user number. I hadn't even been checking my Stripe subscriptions. <laughs> so I logged on the other day. Um, and I have it in my admin dashboard, but I literally never check it. And I saw like three subscriptions and I was like, that can't be right. So are these people paying you or they just added their credit cards to Stripe? They've added their credit cards to Stripe. I am currently offering a free 30-day trial. And so they may cancel. One of the people has already reached out to me and we've had a pretty in-depth email conversation about her needs. So I anticipate she'll stick around, um, but I have not actually heard from the other two people yet. So we'll see. I don't know. Tell me more about this email exchange you had. Yeah. So based on our conversation last week, I significantly changed the email. I changed, I got rid of all the graphics. I tried to be uh, more concise in what I was asking and give a little more context. And you were right. People like when you have more context, I think. And so I've been hearing back from people. So I've actually been spending a good part of this week, like handling email stuff um, and talking to people and listening to their feature requests. But this one person who actually put her credit card in, you know, she actually shared with me her application and there was a error. It was like a really subtle bug in the react component and it actually worked with the bug, like it still worked most of the time, but she was running into an issue where it was not working consistently. So I was able to troubleshoot that and uh, get that fixed. And so, you know, we've kind of had a, had a dialogue going. It's been very exciting. It sounds like you've been able to build a rapport and a little bit of a relationship with her. I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. Every time someone gets, e every time someone emails me, I get super excited. So, <laughs> phase where I'm like tell me about your thing like what's going on what are you working on I'm still in that phase like right? honestly <laughs> I mean anytime someone replies back to one of my feedback emails so I have them um going out um with after a couple of days the first time we charge someone and I have different emails that go out based on you know different plans they're on and, and whatnot but Every time somebody replies to one of those, I'm always like, oh, my God, somebody replied. Like, this is so exciting. And then they're giving me this feedback. And I always learn things about industries that I had just I never even realized existed. Like, and they're, they're doing things I didn't even realize was happening. And then, like, somehow we're part of that process. And it feels so magical and exciting. And I feel so, you know, like, privileged that they've let me into their little world and told me all about how they're, for example, 
need to get time zone stamped reports back from tractors and how we make that easier for them. And I'm just like, yes, this is so yes. cool. Like I'm, I think I'm just a huge business nerd and, and I love, I think that's awesome. Learning about awesome. business. It's just, I, so, you know, that, that phase has, you know, been going for, oh wow. Seven years now for me. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Oh wow. Geocodio turned seven this month. Wow. Um, so so tell me tell me more about about what you talked about. Yeah. So it's been great. Um like I said I changed the email copy and some people like reached out to me on Twitter. I love I love hearing from people. Thank you. I love ideas and shared with me the email copy they use. And like I said, so people started engaging and I got a lot of good feedback. I got one person who was like really excited who was like, "Oh my gosh, Heroku's file system, you know, was really troublesome. And so this is just what I needed. I got um, a lot of feature requests, which is something we'll talk about in a minute. I got one guy who was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for emailing me. I was like, okay. (laughs) So it was really fun. Um, It's still just a handful of people, right? But I I love it. Like, I love hearing from people. And some of them, like I said, are comfortable sharing what they're working on, which has been cool, too. And there have been a lot of suggestions for utilizing the uploader in a way I did not anticipate. So, yeah. So this is like the next thing. And I know I remember months ago you said something about every new feature request should sit out in the rain on the porch. For three days. Yes, For I think days. that is uh, taken from one of the early Basecamp books, Getting Real. Uh, so that's ah. probably a Jason Free. Yeah, the new features should have to stand on the porch in the rain for three days before you let them in. And so I appreciate that. But at the same time, I feel like that's more appropriate for mature products. This is just a little baby product. And I'm trying to turn it into something amazing and I think, so, So I mean, when you're only talking to eight to 10 people, I think that every feature request, you know, I should really consider. Now, I understand, like I was preparing for this podcast. I tried to look back at what I did this week because I had, I didn't really do many things on the list of things I wanted to do. And it's because I spent so much time like doing these emails and talking to people and looking into their feature requests. And so I don't want to just throw them out there as quickly as possible, but I do think the product um, really has space to grow. And I love hearing what people are asking. And some of them are not too hard. Like I I can do, but I don't know. It's just, it's just a struggle of like balancing all that. Like, do I, here I have active people. And again, it's like eight people who are talking to me. And so when they request something, if it's within my ability and I think it's going to make the product better because then other people might want that same feature, I want to do it. But of course I'm balancing that with, trying to do marketing and trying to do documentation, which I really need to do more documentation. Um, so it's just like the challenge of balancing. Oh, and you know, my paid work, <laughs> balancing all of that. So it sounds like you're balancing a lot right now. And I'm curious with all of those feature requests coming in, are you saving them? Like, like, how are you sort of digesting those feature requests and, you know, potentially saving that information for, for later or categorizing or, or, or are you not doing that? Sure. I am. I, you know, this is something else that's, that's challenging is just how to keep track of all this. So like you launch your product and then there's all of this tooling you need around the product, 
which is like a whole other thing, right? Like it's just like, there's so much stuff. Like, I just want to focus on my product. Um, yeah, I just have a spreadsheet and I'm just putting the person's name, email, feature request. And like, if I think it's a good idea, what my timeline for considering it is, I mean, they're all really good requests, like all things I would like to do eventually. Um, some of them are like bigger chunks than others. But for example, one thing I don't support that I want to support in the future is multiple file uploading. So one of the people, one of the customers is doing that with the sim, with the single uploader and just kind of basically what happens is you drop a file into the uploader and then he's got like a, um, grid view of all the files you've dropped. So he has found a creative way to take my single file uploader and make it a multi-file uploader. But I default show you the preview of the file after you upload it. So he would like me to not default show you the preview. He just wants it to go away. So that seems like a really good idea because then you can kind of use it as a multi-file uploader even though it's a single file uploader. Because every time you drop a new file, I still upload the file. I just don't have like the UI for multiple file uploaders. So that's one. Another one is um, smaller sized images, which I bring up every week because it's like my thing, right? Um, but that's a lot more work because I'm gonna have to write an external API that they can they can hit and I'm gonna have to figure out how to authenticate them and I'm gonna have to figure out how to charge them for that. So that one's kind of like definitely something I wanna do eventually, but I think that's a big one. So. And another person didn't even want an uploader. He just wants the storage, which I thought was the first request I'd gotten for that. Yeah. So it's like, they're all over the place though, right? Like, and I'm like, these are all great ideas. I would like to be able to help all these people achieve their goals, but they're all different. So when they bring these feature requests to you, are you able to get to the level of asking about what their process is and like what the broader context they're in that you know helps you understand where this feature request comes from and 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 how that fits in with what they're trying to do so then you can make parallels to what other people are trying to do like see if they're in similar process patterns yeah so i have a little bit i haven't gotten anyone on a call yet but i have like kind of asked those leading questions and yeah. So I don't know. They're not all. So I did ask like anyone who was comfortable to actually like share the application with me. Um, a lot of them are in the beginning stages, which makes sense because it makes more sense to loop me in, in the, in the beginning, as opposed to when you already have something set up. So a lot of them are in the beginning stages and, um, of this group of people, there were two that are working that are like doing this at work and one person who's doing it as a hobbyist. Um, and like the smaller file sizes is because the one person is having, is allowing the users to download files, which I hadn't even really thought, I don't, you know, if I don't do it like that, I hadn't really thought about like allowing your users to download files, um, which is not something I had really thought about. So that's like a good point. And then the multiple file uploader, like I knew that was an issue because I have a event site that I want to, I want to, um, allow multiple file uploading. So I don't know, am I answering your question? I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. It sounds like you're figuring things out. You know, last week we were talking about how you had some hunches about different things that might be going on about, you know, hobbyists or whatever. And you, you just told me, oh, okay, you know, this person was a hobbyist and these people were doing it at work. And I, th what I think is really interesting is you said people are bringing you on 
at the very beginning of a project. And and I, that sounds like a critical insight to me. Yeah, and that's really good. And you know why that's such a great insight, Michelle? That is such a great insight because when I first launched this, one of the things I was really concerned about was moving people from their existing storage solution to my storage solution. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to write like all these scripts to help people move. And, and as I see right now, at least for the people who are talking to me, that's not really something I need to spend time on right now. I need to focus. I think I need to focus on these people in the beginning stages of their product. Um, one person, you know, wasn't a developer. Well, he was kind of a developer, but like he wasn't, you know, he was, and, and, uh, I thought that was relevant. Cause he was like, this is great because I have been asked to implement this thing at work, this system. It, it's like a database system where they store stuff and I'm not really a developer. So this was, you know, really easy. Cause I didn't have to figure out all of the AWS stuff. Those are the people I'm targeting. Like in my head, that's always what, who this product has been designed for. You love the no code crowd. I do. I love, and I really, okay. So I really want to build something with no code. Excuse me. I really want to build something with no code. I just feel like, oh man, like I love everybody. Like, don't get me wrong, but I just feel like the opportunities going forward are in no code. I feel like it's such like everyone is going to be starting a website and starting a business, I think in the next 10 years, like include, I expect my personal trainer to be selling stuff online in like a couple years. And so I feel like getting in now is, is the time to get in. And so I still on my list of things to do is still like build something with no code to get involved in the community, to learn more about it. I just think their options are so limited as far as I can tell, like the, they're the main players in that space charge like a hundred bucks a month. And so, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity in the no-code space. I think it's worth, you know, you noticing how much enthusiasm and sort of natural empathy you have for this group. You know, I mean, even your own looking at your own work, you've done a lot on, um, you know, helping people learn to code and and, and some previous businesses we had talked about that... um, didn't really work out or around, you know, like teaching stay at home mothers how to code or, or like other sorts of things that, that help people, um, build things. And I see that thread running through your interest here and your product will probably have many different audiences. Um, but I, I think it's okay to, you know, love one a little bit more than others, especially if it really motivates you, right? Because there's going to be times when you're, you feel mired in bugs and um, knowing that you can reach out to one of those customers or somebody in that group and, and just get that motivation and get that reminder of, oh, I'm helping them do something that they literally could not do before, period. Um, That's really rewarding. And, and, you know, the, you know, I think the secret of of staying motivated is to talk to people and hear how you're helping them. And it, it sounds like you get a lot of that from the no code crowd. Yeah, I haven't thought about it like that before, but I think maybe that is one of the reasons I'm so interested in this particular space is because, yeah, like a personal passion of mine is helping people get into flexible remote work 
And if they can start a business, you know, if they can start a business with Webflow um, and they can use my thing, then that's extra motivating for me. So tell me what has been going on with you this week. So despite, you know, Denmark going into lockdown again and schools closing and the coup, um, I somehow <laughs> managed to read in the Jobs to be Done book. I'm oh, nice. feeling quite go. proud of myself, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, just considering everything else going on. Yeah. Um, so, so there's this one story uh, from it that, um, that, that I thought some things up so well. Um, so for anyone who's reading along, I'm in chapter two this week in the jobs to be done playbook. Um, and the story goes this. A traveler came upon three stone workers arranging bricks and asked them what they were doing. The first replied, I'm laying bricks. The second answered, I'm building a room. When the traveler got to the third man, he heard a different response. I'm building a cathedral, the stone worker replied. Of course, all three answered correctly. It's just a matter of perspective. I love that story. And actually, as I was, so I was reading this while uh, helping my my daughter with her homeschool uh, work, and I, I I read that to her. And what I love about that is, you know, all of them are correct, right? Like you could be laying bricks or building a room or building a cathedral. All all of those are true at the same time, and it's just a matter of of perspective. And and I think what that says to us from a business perspective is that there are different levels of doing things. And when we talk about customer needs and, and processes and situations and all the kinds of things that you've been talking to your customers about, you might get a different level of perspective. And you might ask someone how they're using your product and they might give you an answer that's the equivalent of, I'm laying bricks. Or they might give you the, the equivalent of, I'm building a cathedral. And then it's about sort of building out that whole picture of figuring out, okay, there's a cathedral being built. That's the broader job that's being done. And then there are specific people who are doing that within this. There are specific tasks down to mixing mortar to planning out a specific room. Like those are all at different levels. and But they're all happening too. And, and where does my product fit in and what... But what are they trying to do more broadly? Um, yeah, I just, I just loved that story. So you're basically saying when we think about our product in like a development life cycle of a business, someone else's business, right? Because both of our products are inserted into someone else's business. We should kind of see how they fit in to the bigger goal. Right. So for example... Um, nobody's job is to geocode a spreadsheet. Like that's not a broader goal that they have. The, right. the job is something that is, you know, much larger than any one particular step or one particular process. Um, but it'll have many different sub steps to it. Um, and so the book defines this as, you know, there's an aspiration, an ideal change of state, something the individual desires to become. So in this example with the bricks in the cathedral, it might be to, you know, bring religion or community to a specific area. That's a very broad goal, right? Right. And then the big job is to build the cathedral. 
The little job is to build the rooms in the cathedral. And then the micro job is to lay the actual bricks. So I think my product is sometimes it's, it's a micro job, but sometimes it's also playing into a larger one. For example, if someone's goal is to create a map to show a congressperson all of the supporters their nonprofit has in their district, for example. That may be, you know, much closer to their goal of getting a an elected representative to take them seriously. But on the other hand, if they're doing a huge data analysis process, like we are just one step in that process um, and pretty far removed from whatever their end goal of creating AI-based simulations that help real estate executives make better commercial real estate decisions. Like we're really far removed from that end step. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I'm trying to figure out how that, like I'm trying to take what you said, which felt um, kind of general and figure out how to directly apply that to business, to actually my business specifically. Like, does that help you with pricing? Does that help you I mean, so you, let's say, because I also am probably a micro step. Does that mean I should charge less? Does that, I mean, how do you kind of take that information and work it into your workflow? So that's only one step of jobs to be done. There's a whole bunch of other pieces to this. Um, and 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 what I find helpful, so what this, this chapter is laying a very broad view of things, it dissects the different pieces of this. I mean, so you're a developer, so you've probably worked with user stories before, right? Like, you know, yes. as an administrator, I would like to be able to update billing information. Like like things that sound like that are pretty common, um, especially in, in the Agile world. And what this chapter is doing is, is laying the framework not only for the, the hierarchy of tasks and activities, which is very important, um, but also for the different types of jobs that are going on at the same time. So you have that big goal of, for example, making more sales, right? right. Or for you, you're, you might be working with a developer who's building a website for a client. Like that is their end goal here. And there are many different things. Are, so they're going through a process, right, to build that website. They have different needs as they go through that process. For example, one might be making the steps of that process um, or accomplishing the steps in that process as quickly as possibly, right? There might be different circumstances they're under. They might have six months to build this website or they might have a week. Um, There may also be emotional and social jobs going on too, like they want to feel competent as a developer or they want to show their client that they can get quality work done. So there are all these different things going on. And where this helps specifically, it does talk about, you know, in marketing, for example, if you speak to the overall job too broadly, it's just too vague. And I think that's when we get to websites or a product and you're like, what do they even do? Like, it's not even clear. Like, yes, I want to retire comfortably, but it's very unclear to me how your app remotely gets me close to that. Um, Yeah. And so thinking about needs differently than the broader goal that someone is trying to do. and But mostly where I find that this applies to my own work is really understanding the process. And, and, and this is something that the author talks about in the beginning of the 
um, of the chapter, he talks about Copernicus and how that revolutionized things going from the earth being the center of the universe to the sun being the center. And his framing is that jobs to be done forces companies to go from my product is the center of the universe and that the customer's job, the customer's goal is to interact with my product and interact with my company to instead that, you know, our company's job is to help people get things done better. Um, And he actually framed it in a way that I had never heard anyone say before, which is that companies can buy customers, which makes so much sense and and he doesn't just mean that literally in the terms of you know you can go on Facebook and buy ads and buy customers that way but you you are you are the one who is going out and you know solving their needs and and buying them as a customer which i thought was uh very interesting now i feel like i'm the one who's rambling <laughs> i don't know have you gotten anything useful out of this not really. I feel like, like I know you're excited about this book, but <laughs> let me just say, I mean, I know you're excited about this book and I know this is your, your strength lies in this customer empathy stuff. And I feel, but I feel like the words that you are saying are very hard to translate into actionable actions that can help me grow my business. Like I just, there's a, to me, what you're saying makes sense. Like I understand you. I feel like it's kind of the same thing they say in story brand, which is your, your customer, you are not the center of the universe. Your customer is the center of the universe. And, but outside of being like nice and answering people's questions, I, you know, having a background in engineering, so no background in this stuff, I'm really struggling to turn that kind of like prose into actionable stuff. So I think you can actually see that you're turning it into actionable things. In fact, you have too many actions based on it. Yeah, Last week true. we were we were working on your email copy <laughs> yeah. and you weren't really getting enough useful information. Actually, people weren't replying to you at all. And now you're not only getting feature requests, you're also getting understanding about the context that they're in. And the process they're going through to do that. And I think in this case, you know, your, your product may, may be the equivalent of laying the bricks. And while it's great to know that people want to lay bricks, they don't want to just lay bricks forever, right? The, the, the right. famous phrase about this is that people don't want to drill, they want a quarter inch hole. And I always like to add to it, well, they don't actually want a quarter inch hole. They want to hang up a picture of their family on the wall so that they have something nice to look at when they walk by and they feel a warm feeling inside, right? Like, it's not just about your product. And so what you're getting out of this is understanding of that broader process that they're in. And that information helps you make decisions about what you should build next. It helps you understand who might be a good customer for me, who might have a higher propensity to pay me versus based on how often they need something like this or how urgent their need for it is. All of those things can be grokked from using this kind of thinking. Uh, But I can definitely see how this sort of thinking it, it takes a leap. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I admit, you know, when I, when I was first exposed to it, I was like, we don't have time for this. Like, we, like, we, right. like I have deadlines, like, <laughs> right? like you want to add another, you know, like, I mean, I, I was, 
I, I remember when, when someone came to me about first even doing, you know, usability testing on, you know, and we were, we were on pretty tight launch schedules that we didn't have control over. And, and I was like, you want to add another week until we can launch this? Like, did you go negotiate with the people who give us our deadlines that we're going to do that? And they're like, no. And I was like, so what do you want me to do with this information? Like, this sounds great, but like, I don't see how I can do anything with it. Um, and and I admit it, it took me a while, like maybe, you know, probably like six months or a year until I really started to get it. And after I had some launches that were, you know, I wouldn't call them failures, but, you know, we spent a lot of time doing things and it didn't have the effect we wanted and getting getting frustrated with that and feeling like we're spending all this time building stuff and not having the kinds of effects that we had expected to have based on, you know, reading the tea leaves and in, in spreadsheets um, about what we should do. Um, and it, you know, it took me a very long time to come around from there to having interviews and, and, and this kind of jobs to be done driven customer empathy be the, be the core of what I do. Um, but I, I, it's, it's, um, it's, it's just been so revelatory for me. Um, but yeah, I absolutely empathize with the situation that you're like, what the hell is this? And why do I care? And I have stuff to do. Like, just tell me some, tell me how to raise my prices and get more customers. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I am. I think we talk about this a lot. Like, I feel like this comes up a lot because I think what we're learning from you is that's really the secret to a successful business. I mean, you guys have like a geocoding API, no offense, but it's not really sexy. But it's people not exciting. Love you. Like yeah. they love you, right? <laughs> Why do they? <laughs> like, it's mean, really boring. Like actually, I mean, I say really this in terms of when I'm talking about this job to be done stuff, I, and I'm like, you know what? Like uh, coordinates are not stamps. Nobody collects them for the fun of it. They're trying to do something else with it. Like it's so boring that it's abundantly clear that it's not the end goal. Um, I think that's almost a gift in and of itself. But I guess my point is we talk about this a lot because somehow despite, I don't want to say despite it, it's a great product, but it's a boring product, but you have great customer loyalty and that is because of you and it's because of this way of communicating and empathizing with your customers. But those of us who are kind of, not kind of, who are totally new to sales and are engineers, you know, I'm not really known for my patience or my empathetic nature, right? I'm like, let's just write it down and get it done. And so it's, it's a fundamental mind shift, I think, to be like, okay, slow down. Like, let's try to dive into these, you know, these castles, these people are building and really understand these people. And I feel like it's slowly sinking in, but I feel like it's going to take a while. Like, and I'm learning as I'm doing, right? So I told you last week, I sent that email that I thought was brilliant that everyone hated because no one responded. So, you know, we changed the language and thought about it a little more, but I do think it's a process. Like, I feel like I'm learning it, but it does feel like it's a process. I feel like if we can build a business in a commodity industry where we are competing with billion dollar companies, then anybody can do this. And the secret yes. to how we do that is using jobs to be done, understanding yeah. what people are trying to do, understanding their whole process, and then making it faster and cheaper for them to get through that process and eating off other steps of the process to help them get done whatever it is they want done. Yeah. 
it's just a completely different mindset. I mean, there's so many developers trying to start SASs, and I think this is like the piece we are missing um, because I think it is a fundamental mindset shift, and I think you have to practice it. And we're not used to practicing that. And I think that starting with your own need is a really helpful springboard into this because you, you naturally have some amount of empathy for yourself. Maybe we don't all have 100% empathy for ourselves all the time, but you have some empathy for your own problems. You're able to understand how long it took you to do this and how annoying it was to have to build a file uploader every single time. You had that empathy built in and you could see that need and what process that fit into and what the end goal was. And you were able to use that as a springboard to launch something. And now you're you're learning about what other people are trying to do. And, and I'm just so excited for you that people are bringing suggestions and problems and, and situations to you that you had never even thought of before. Like that, that's the most exciting thing for me when I sit down to interview someone and I think we're going to talk about one thing and then we end up talking about something else that I never even realized would come up. And it's so fun because it shows me how many more opportunities there are, even in a super boring commodity, highly competitive industry. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Software Social Podcast. Please reach out to us on Twitter at Software Pod for your questions and comments. We'd love to hear from you. Hope you enjoyed the show. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outseta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.